A very happy Friday morning to all of our listeners in DCU and beyond. This is DCU FM's In Conversation With, coming to you live from the Glasnevin campus. My name is Greg Mulhall. I'm joined in the studio today by my lovely co-host, Colin McDonald. Hey, Greg. Gavin Kelly. Hi, lads. I'm also privileged to welcome to the studio today. I haven't told him this yet, but my own childhood hero. In his first year with the Leash Senior setup under the mentorship of one Mick O'Dwyer in 2003, he scored a crucial goal in the Leinster final as Leash lifted the Laney Cup for the first time since 1946. He would contest the next two finals, losing to Westmead by two points after a replay and losing to Dublin by a point in 2005, as well as a further loss to the Dublin in the 2007 decider. That same year he was crowned the Leash Senior Football Championship winner with his club, Arliss Kilcruz, their first and only title. He went on to contest the further three Leash Senior Football Championships, represent his country in the international rules in two series, represent Leinster in three Railway Cups and receive an All-Star nomination. He's now entering into his 16th season with the Leash Senior Football team and he just so happens to be our own Director of Alumni Relations here at our beloved DCU. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr Ross Munley. Thank you very much. Ross, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for coming in today. No problem, no problem. Thank you for such a good build-up there. Yeah, you know... uh, (laughs) Unfortunately, not enough winner's medals in in all of it to read out, but... um, They might have teetered off in the last couple of years, maybe. But thanks nonetheless. Ross, what were your thoughts when I approached you there about a week and a half ago asking you to come on the show? Obviously enough, I said yes straight away because I would always help out uh, our students and um, especially especially for DCUFM and so on because it's such an important part mm. of building current students who go out and leave DCU as graduates and have gone on to become who who do go on to become very successful. For example, in the last couple of weeks, we had an alumni lunch with. Um, some with uh, Eamon Donoghue, who's now with the Irish Times, Owen Sheehan, Tommy Mooney, who are with News Talk, and Ben Egan, who's with Air. So, people who have sat in those chairs that you're sitting in now, getting the practical experience through DCU FM, uh, DCU helps to build that confidence and character, and you go on and become successful alumni, and that's what that's what uh, mm. the university is all about, and our alumni community continues long after after you guys finish um, your student days. Yeah, I mean, the opportunity afforded to us here at DCUFM is fantastic. Yeah, so before we get into the bones of the interview, we're going to do a short, a short quick-fire quiz to get to know you just a little bit more. A few, a few light-hearted questions. I okay, think so Greg has them in front of him there. So, uh, Ross, just to start off, there's completely random little tidbits. Just try and get to know. Yeah, Ross go for it. Okay, so firstly, tea or coffee, Ross? Coffee. Coffee, right. Uh, any particular coffee what's your coffee of choice Americano right nice and simple okay um, what would you, what did you want to be when you were a kid it's just a funny one because on my the first day I went into Knockbeg uh, or what they ask you you know they do the, the profiles Mrs Foley of course yeah for the um, for the, the Knockbeg College mm-hmm. annual and the pen pictures for all the first years mine was at the time to become a secondary school teacher to captain Leash and to win a Leinster Championship. So I think you've ticked all those boxes. And I achieve, I've achieved all of those. Very good. Um, so that's three guests, living or dead, that you'd invite to a dinner party. Roy Keane. Very good answer. Yeah. Alex Ferguson. I can Ooh, see where, we this, can is see where <laughs> this is going. Yeah. And Jose. And Jose. <laughs> those are three strong characters. <laughs> what did you make of the Champions League the other night? I was at it. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm going over again tomorrow now for the Brighton game. It was very disappointing 
look at you live by the sword you die by the sword that's Jose's approach to big games he tries to make it as um, makes the game as I suppose really non-eventful for for yeah. both sides and hope that um, they live off United nicking a goal and unfortunately it didn't work they had their chance in the first half through Fellaini he missed it and Sevilla were worthy winners in the end so no complaints but very 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 disappointed Right, we'll, we'll say nothing left. Moving on. Maybe, maybe we won't come back to the soccer topic. <laughs> back to the quiz. <laughs> uh, who would you like to play you in a Hollywood blockbuster? Gary Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine Gary on a movie set now. Um, last song you listened to? Good question. Oh, sit down. Fair, okay. And name a song that you hate. To be honest, you're hitting me hard here, lads. I'm not the, <laughs> I'm not the, I'm not the biggest music fan. Is oh, you'll, you'll never walk alone. You oh. have to get a dig at the Liverpool supporters. <laughs> One of them um, sitting in front of me here. Yeah. What's your reaction now? Ah, sure. We'll keep it professional for now. <laughs> um, your ideal weekend, Ross? Ideal weekend, probably something something similar to this weekend. I'm, I'm heading over I'm to the match on, on on Saturday. We'll get the, tomorrow. There'll be loads of uh, loads of sport. I'll catch the rugby game. Uh, go to see Man United. Maybe head out after for for an hour into into town. But I'm flying home early Sunday morning for for training. So lot yeah, for you the last the last week or two. So yeah, but listen, you do it because you enjoy it. I'm a season ticket holder for for Man United, so I'm I'm over and back quite regularly. I enjoy it. It's it's a nice release. It's a, it's a good escape as well. You know, <laughs> things are very very busy in work and training and so on. So um, my ideal weekend is probably over and back to Old Trafford on on the Saturday and and um, back into training on Sunday morning very good and when you went to the game midweek um, did you come back from Roy Slip at the weekend yes you came back and then you went again exactly yeah so you're, you're liking the airport so liking the airports at the minute but yeah because I had a busy day in, in, in work on Monday and Tuesday before I went so uh, yeah clocking up the air miles but listen it's it's grand it's, um, it's only a 35 minute flight to Manchester exactly. so it takes me longer to get the leash uh, well it can do uh, depending on what the traffic's like on the M50 on a given day um, with the Euro or sorry would you rather win the Euro Millions or lift Sam with leash lift Sam with leash there wasn't yeah. even a hesitation there wasn't no, not at all that's what I like to hear uh, and then finally your favourite grounds to play in favourite grounds I'm going to say and, you know, whatever. I'm going to say the Subiaco Oval in okay, and that was yeah. 2013, 2014. No, 14. Yeah, so I, on, I was on the tour in 2005, but I was injured for the first for the first game. Yeah. Um, but it's from that moment that I just felt this place is incredible. It was an it's an old style stadium mm-hmm. in Perth. It has a huge, huge, huge history associated with it, and it took me until 2014. To get to actually to, to actually play on it, so that is my favourite ground. And uh, so it was obviously one off the bucket list for yourself. Uh, would you compare it to a county grounds in in terms of atmosphere? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go international rules again on this one. It's mm-hmm. 2013 where we played Australia in Cavan. Right. That was a really, really, really enjoyable evening. Really good atmosphere. Yeah. Myself, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you know yourself when there's a crowd in there and even just coming through the town it, it gets so congested yeah, and built up. There's a real good atmosphere and environment. It always seems to be when around the game on, yeah. Personally I, and I prefer the kind of smaller venues. 
some of the best games that we had with Leash would be would have been up in Carrick and Shannon. So mm-hmm. we played Leitrim there in the qualifiers, and we Couple played Donegal yeah. in the qualifiers as well. So I like the I like the the smaller grounds where there's a, a brilliant atmosphere, atmosphere, and you feel like everything is in on top yeah. of you, mm-hmm. and you feel that you can almost hear the crowd, in your the crowd every time something happens mm-hmm. and, and so on. So that's for me. That's what um, that's what sport is about. That that real you know, you high energetic, big, yeah, real thick atmosphere, and and you enjoy it. Yeah, you don't have that in many other sports where if you shout something at a player, he more than likely will yeah, hear it. Good chance he'll hear it. Yeah, yeah. it um, is. It is quite a well. I suppose in the lower leagues of soccer and gosh. and smaller uh, leagues in sport, you might you might get it. But a GA even at high level um, championship games, you might hear an old fella in the the third front row <laughs> shout and abuse at you or something like that you know yeah and in the in the bigger game say in Croke Park where you have a, a full capacity you won't hear the individual stuff but mm-hmm. you will hear maybe 10 minutes to go when yeah. Yeah. if you've been a couple of points down and you get back within one or if you've been a couple of points up and the opposition gets back within one the whole the intensity level. and yeah. the atmosphere in the stadium after a score just as the kick out is about to happen the whole place just lifts and then you know it's you know you're you're on the home stretch <laughs> so uh ross moving on from our quick fire round um we're going to talk a little bit about um your early years so uh circuit 2003 but uh just before we we touch on that um ross yourself and i are actually both uh not bag alumni as well brilliant um so uh i've seen that johnny bean uh, you, I'm sure you had Johnny back in your day. Of I did. Um, he's retiring, uh, and I see there's a bit of a do um, upcoming, isn't there? The, yeah, there is one. Yeah. Um, will you be attending yourself? If I can, it depends on it depends on, working, on training. So. so I saw some of the notices about it, but to be honest with you, for in season, can you just keep the focus on mm-hmm. on um, training with leash because it's it's very intense and i live in dublin as well okay uh, i have a very busy job here i'm trying to recruit and build an office it's mm-hmm. it, it's it's very um time consuming at the moment so where possible uh, i can i try and go to, to mm-hmm. things like that but obviously for, there's just so many commitments you can't make you have to be time. selfish with, with your time as well yeah. but wh- what a phenomenal teacher oh like uh this this man that we're speaking of johnny bean uh he actually went to Nockbeg himself as a student. He went off. Uh, he's had quite a storied and travel life. Uh, he has some fantastic stories. Uh, he worked on building sites in Germany and across <laughs> Europe. And he fell off his motorcycle and uh, he shattered his leg in, I think, numerous places. And he actually continued to do his teaching placement in the school on the crutches. Jeez. And uh, he ended up falling, uh, having to get the leg reset again and everything basically starting again and he's taught not big since so it was his first job out of college uh, in his teaching capacity since, and yeah. he's been there since um, so just a little shout out to Mr. John Bean yeah um, great guy one of the best great guy so Ross um, you actually missed out on not big's Hogan Cup success yes I was probably between two teams there mm-hmm. you had a generation who were quite good when I was in maybe first, second year, and then after I left, you had 
the generation that won the, the Hogan Cup. My brother was in goals on that mm-hmm. team. And that kind of mirrored the underage in Leash as well because I was between those yeah, successful of groups of, of minors that went on to win All-Ireland. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I, I missed out on them, but still enjoyed them, hugely enjoyed them as not big fans and as a Leash supporter. Mm-hmm. Great. And um, so just moving into 2003, you'd obviously, as you just said, um, you were one of the few minor teams in Leash during that era that... I suppose weren't quite as successful as say the teams no, in not 96. successful at all. No, yeah. we, we we got to I think Westmead beat us after a replay in a Leinster semi final. They did go on to win to win the Leinster championship that year, but yeah, we we didn't. I suppose it, it's down to a couple of reasons. One, we our performances weren't good enough to win, and it was Leash had been on a crest of a wave in in the minor setups, but. Um, this particular bunch of players weren't up to that particular standard and I include myself in yeah. in, in that as well the performances just weren't good enough and um, we yeah. didn't advance on, and that was our own fault and then in 2000, 2003 obviously uh, Mick O'Dwyer took over the helm at, uh, for the Leash Senior Footballers and uh, you were drafted in I believe I, I've heard a, a story that uh, the first league game he pulled you from an under 21 training session and asked you to, to sit on the bench for the day and uh, you were given some high number 32 or 3 of course and uh, I think you were thrown on for the last 20 minutes or such yeah that's right it was I could be I could be wrong and it's from Mano, in, in, it? in 2003 I think the leagues might have even started before Christmas back then okay or certainly certainly I wasn't involved in the earlier league games I only got drafted in for the down game which would have been halfway through the, through the league mm-hmm. So I remember going to those first couple of league games. Fermanham was one of them, and I hadn't been involved. And it was some of the some of the lads from the under twenty one team were involved. I think Barry Brennan is is one particular player who was, and um, so playing for the seniors was was way off in into the on the horizon in in terms of where I I was thinking. And then I think it would have been around March, the down league game was coming up and. Miko just bumped into me at the bottom of the stand the day before. I think we'd been training with the under twenty ones, and just said, um, "Are you free tomorrow?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm not doing anything." And he said, "Come on in and sure sit on the bench." So that's what I did. I went in, no expectations of playing. I had trained the, the day before fully, and with about twenty minutes to go, he gave the the word came through that I was to warm up, and I was looking around thinking, "What is?" <laughs> and so even at that, I thought, "Okay, maybe I'm just everyone has to mm. go down and warm up." So. Literally thirty seconds later, I was uh, tracksuit off and ready to go in. Right, and uh, how was how was that feeling? You said one of the things you wanted to captain leash in, on your goals back when you were a kid was you wanted to captain leash. Uh, you wanted to win the Leinster final. Um, you you got to pull on your leash jersey. Was there at, at senior level? How how was that feeling? Yeah, I didn't really. To be honest with you, don't think about that when because it, it happened so quick. I, and I remember it so vividly It was there was a break in play we had got a free Aidan Fenley was standing over the ball probably about 50 yards out and I was put on so went straight in and referee blew the whistle start the game again I turned showed for the ball so he gave me probably about a 25-30 yard kick pass got the ball in my hand and just shot straight away hit the post and dropped over the bar <laughs> and that was that was the start of it you yeah know? So that it was, was your nerve settled yeah and it, it, it was like that and, and when I think back on it now it, it's 
it was just instinct mm-hmm. you're thrown in mm-hmm. rather than having time to think about anything else it was get on the ball and shoot and that's and to be fair probably that's the way Mikko treated a lot of young players he just threw you in and said go on get on with it and what was the transition like going from the the younger setups like the minor and the under 21 into the senior team for the first time oh it was completely different because you're you're playing at that stage you're playing with people that you that were you for me I was I was in a dressing room with people who were my role models mm. Mm. and it was the same the 2005 when I was on the international rules I was sitting in a, in a sitting in a in a dressing room with players that maybe what was I 20 at the t- no, I was 23 then maybe a couple of years or whatever when I was 15 16 I was probably kicking ball in the back garden with my brothers you know pretending to be porridge Joyce <laughs> or or people like that yeah. who who were the gooch who were top top players so it's it's amazing how quick that evolves that you go from you know seeing these people as role models to actually being comfortable in their presence and thinking well actually when when it comes to it and you're on a team that you have just as much to offer mm-hmm. you know and, and certainly in the leash dressing room the lads were brilliant they, make, they made me feel they made me feel at home straight away and I'm guessing well I certainly would have learned stuff from those players straight mm-hmm. away but I'm guessing they would have learned things from me as well because I would be one of the first to train and particularly back then I was always the first out mm-hmm. and at the last I was the last leaving Fergal Byrne who was obviously our all-star goalkeeper we stayed back religiously every single night after training for competition so shots 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 non-stop non-stop <laughs> practicing and um, so you I think w- when you when you get over that bit of where you're talking away when you get over that bit where you, you you're now playing with role models and so on um, you start feel comfortable in a group and mm-hmm. you start realizing what you have to contribute and all of a sudden it gets very serious because there's big games coming mm-hmm. and you have to do your job when you're out in the field so yeah. the transition it's you would think a lot more would go through your head but it be, moves so fast it though. moves so fast and as I said, you're not going to be kept there unless you're doing your job and unless yeah. you're performing. So it evolves very, very, very quickly. And especially in 2003 under Mikko, there was the hype around the county approaching that Leinster final year. And, you know, um, the whole county, it was like nothing they'd seen before, you know. Um, how, how was it trying to deal with pressure like that at such a young age? That was fine, to be honest. That, w- that was fine. I failed my... I was in second year in Manute at the time and I failed my economics I was in an arts degree in economics and geography and I failed economics that year simply because of all the time remember when, when in 2003 there was no motorway of course so when I was heading down the train and I had to go through Monastrevin and the old Dublin road or, yeah. yeah Kildare Town Monastrevin yeah. Ballybritis in that way mm-hmm. and I used to leave her, and because of the excitement and, and being involved I was leaving extra early and, and neglecting my studies but that's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned in life to date about time management and balance through failing that exam okay. that I, I had to repeat the year mm-hmm. and that really taught me that actually going forward if if I want to balance my academics 
and play at a high level sport I have to get smarter and I have to be more organised and more ruthless with my time and thankfully I, I haven't failed an exam since <laughs> very good and just on that uh, is that something that you would have passed on to any of the younger players like for Stephen Atroyd for, for instance uh, you actually coached him to a, a fresh result Ireland here in DCU yeah um, he's now gone on to be the lead senior football captain at 24 yeah. and he was captain last year you know um, is, is, is there anything that you would have passed on to Stephen that yeah well our approach with the freshers teams and we had them for six years was that every year a group came through our job wasn't necessarily to win the All-Ireland or, or to win leagues with them even though we that, that was, was nice yeah. it was to develop really good DCU people who would and success for us was transition was the transition of a large group of players into onto Sigerson mm-hmm. and to do that our values for the team were about earning everything you get so for in terms of the gear that the lads got each one of our freshers teams raised 100 euros each through first goal score cards would have been for one of the, the soccer internationals mm-hmm. so everyone would bring back 100 euros and they'd, they'd get their gear if we lost the football at a game we'd collect 2 euros each from everyone including the management and we'd buy a football to replace it so we were building a culture on this was something that was ours Mm -hmm. we were going to take it forward it was about being the best DCU person that you could be and obviously a huge part of that was passing your exams Mm -hmm. because you obviously want to progress your career was, was hugely important and we used to bring players back in January for a training camp but not really so that they would train we used to train for an hour a day but it was to get them get lads back on campus studying okay. and preparing for the exams and I think for, for all the players that would have gone through freshers and the likes of Stevie who's who's gone on to Captain Leash she was also another really 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 nice moment was coaching Kieran Byrne and then playing international rules with him a the year course, later yeah. and we shared a room and all that kind of stuff so we were, we were roommates so um I think all of those really good characters would tell you that we wanted them to be DCU people mm-hmm. that were able to balance their academics and their sporting goals. And I think now that I'm working in alumni, hopefully that's the kind of values that, that we can promote and that we can establish among your cohort of students. One of our big values is objectives is that we embed the concept of alumni relations in the student body so that you realise, even through something like today, well, actually, the alumni community are here to help, mm-hmm. so that when you leave DCU, you realise, well, this is a lifelong partnership, and DCU will always be here for me. So in any way that we can assist, even after you graduate, that you stay in touch with, with the university. Mm-hmm. And that's what, what our, that really, in, in essence, is what alumni relations is about. It's keeping people in contact um, and keeping that affinity with the university long after you leave. And um, what would you say, I mean, you're talking about you passing on advice onto the younger generation, what would you say is the best piece of advice you've received through your footballing career or academic career? Yeah, a couple of them. The first piece of advice, I, I probably if I if I to target three, it would be Larry Wall from my club because when I was younger in primary school and in Knockbeg, he used to, every single game, club game in Leash or Leash County games, 
he used to call up to the house pick me up and bring me to the games never had to worry about paying into a match or, yeah. or anything like that and he used to always say if you want to be a good footballer watch football and see what the top players are doing mm. so that was he had a massive influence on is there on, anyone in particular that uh, maybe you styled yourself on uh, particularly when you were younger to be honest I don't think so maybe more so lads from my club ok so Chris Conway was obviously only a couple of years older than you he had won in 96 with minors and stuff would he have been a, a figure for you yeah Chris would have been of course his um, his brother Padge would have been a, was a big influence as well other other players in the club that maybe weren't as talented but never missed a session right older members of the team that kept themselves in really really good shape and you know so people I would look at different characters and people and think actually there's something that I can learn from mm -hmm. the second person on that journey was is, is my own dad who isn't steeped in GA tradition he didn't play a huge amount himself but I remember one at one point when I was when I was playing and coming home from games and he used to always say to me what you didn't do today and at one stage I said to him how come you always say that how come you never tell me anything I did do and he said well you're, you're never going to get better if I tell you those stuff <laughs> and that was that was an important moment for me to think well actually yeah there you always have to look at what you're mm -hmm. what you're not doing and then you of course Mikko has always said that life is a, a mirror image what you see in the mirror and what you do um, is reflected back at you and that was his way of saying the more that you practice and the more that you do and the better that you'll become it doesn't guarantee success but it does guarantee that you're in the best place possible to put in a put in a performance and he often told the story about how he how he used to bring the bomber list into the pitch in Waterville every single evening to kick. Mm -hmm. He also would have mentioned Morris Fitzgerald who who used to kick a hundred balls every evening and things like that. And and that stuff resonates with you and I think Brian McClare was um, well I picked up an article from on from him recently and he was obviously um, he's a Man United legend but he spent many I think 10 years or 13 years over the academy in United and he always said that if you can if the if the players can get through the stage where they're introduced to drink going out meeting girls and so on if the if the player can remain focused on achieving their sporting goals and take all of those other things on board, then you'll have a really good chance of. I think of that all that now they kind of they have all those things now. They have social media and the hype they can get from that. If you have a thousand followers on Instagram or on Twitter or something like that, your your head can kind of get to it. You know, you can kind of become a bit arrogant or something like that. How do you think you can keep young players level-headed? Yeah, it's it's a hard one because you're you're talking. I'm now in a situation where I'm sitting in the leash dressing room and an 18-year-old is sitting beside me. Yeah. So I'm 35, he's 18. There's a huge, huge... There's a generation gap yeah, almost yeah. Be, um, between us. And there's... 
there's things that I don't understand that he obviously is living through because social media and so on. Like I'm going back to a stage where before those big, big games in Crow Park, I was so focused on playing for Leash, I turned off my mobile phone when I got to train on the Thursday night. It was our last training session before the game. When I got to train on the Thursday night, just before I went into the went into the changing rooms, I'd turn off my mobile phone and I wouldn't turn it back on again until Sunday after the game. Right. And that was that was how I kept my focus and, and Is that so, something that you can still do now, I suppose, in an age where we're more dependent on our mobile phones for work and such, especially for yourself? Yeah, well there's not the same volume of messaging and good look and things like that because Leash aren't in a position at the moment where you're competing in those games when playing in front of a packed house in Croke Park was was realistic every year. Part of you evolves with that as well because social media is everywhere now. To be honest with you, I skirt around the edges of it. Very basic on Facebook. I only set up base Facebook because team started using pages and stuff like that uh, I use Twitter a little bit because of work and so on so I'm, I'm not I haven't joined the Instagram family yet <laughs> uh, people are telling me to go on it and so on but I suppose generating a huge amount of followers and things like that it's it's not important to me it's um, but look at everyone is different yeah. and is it something that you're glad that you grew up without the I suppose the influence of especially in your your younger career or even just your younger life I wouldn't say I'm I'm glad not to have because I've never experienced it so I don't know okay but certainly my approach at the time was when during coming up to to big games and so on was keep the head down and just concentrate on what I was doing so it, it it's very hard it's, it's that's a really hard question mm-hmm. You might have heard a little bit more about the bleach blonde hair if there was social media back then. What do you mean? The 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 old light the light head back on you back in the day. You oh yeah, well, mine, more about it. Mine was natural. It was never bleach. <laughs> Wasn't like MJ Tierney and the lads going around the minor teams that came after. No, 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 no. Definitely, I, I'd be more under the radar. I suppose the flashiest I ever got was wearing all the coloured boots. Oh, so you had a sponsor yeah, Puma, with Puma, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, so I was on a really good gig with Puma at the time, and the, there obviously was so much free gear, and mm. they used to send it. Right. These, and they were white, and yellow, and green, and, and blue. And ever a comment from Mikko on your... No, because no. I suppose all the lads knew at the time as well that I was getting... You yeah. were on a retainer as well, and that helped pay for accommodation in college, and so I was, I was really mm. grateful to... It was Horizon Sports Management at the time for the deal, because... That helped me get through get through college and so on. So, but that was probably the, the flashiest um, I was over over the years. Um, since that finished, I went back to wearing black boots, and you know I'm ju- I'm just happy of. And I always say to players, and when I'm doing interviews as well, the game has evolved so much, but the one thing that is still will never change is you have to be really good at your basic skills and you have to perform when it comes to game day mm-hmm. and all the supports and all the additional add-ons that assist you and benefit you in terms of nutrition and your body fat counts and the S&C and the mobility and it's important that you remain focused on the execution of the basic skills because they will never change in the game and 
the most important thing is the performance when you go out to play because I think and I would have experienced this when I was coaching players that sometimes players get can get so caught up on I have to eat this and I have to get to the pool and I have to get I have to get on the foam roller and so on and so on and so on that I always say make sure that's brilliant and it helps and get yourself into the best possible position you need to be in before the game and get yourself into a routine but remember just because you do that doesn't mean I've played well at the weekend yeah. mm. you have to go out and perform and win your battle your individual battle and contribute to the team winning the overall battle at the weekend yeah. and where do you see uh, that going with the game in the future do you think there's going to be an even more of an emphasis put on nutrition and fitness rather than uh, the fundamentals of football no I don't think so and this, I remember doing a launch I can't remember what it was for it was in the Shelburne Hotel a couple of years ago and somebody some of the, the journalists that were there there was obviously a, it was a breakfast type event and some of the journalists I, I might have been 30 or 31 at the time and they were asking do you think the addition of S&C and the training regimes and so on will shorten people's careers and I said at the time no personally I think it'll help me extend mine because if you do the prehab and if you follow the S&C advice and you do those you, you're very diligent about what you do then in theory it should mean that you're more flexible you're more nimble and you're able your your ability to, to play at the higher highest level for longer it should equate to that mm. um, so for me and I, I'm not talking in general terms because everybody's different and everybody picks up different injuries and feels differently a, about it but for me all of those those different ad, ad, add-ons have helped me play for longer but at this and I don't want to sound contradictory but at the same time nothing is more important than your performance at the weekend so I, I don't I wouldn't get obsessed on having to do all of these different things but I, I do what I feel gets me in the best position to play knowing that the performance at the weekend is the, the most important thing and Ross just on that like it's a remarkable feat and I hope my statistics are right on this uh, you have played your 69th championship appearance when Leash bowed out to, to Clare in the qualifiers of course that's right so Wexford uh, will be your 70th championship appearance yeah. uh, when, when that comes up um, this year. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully. But uh, just on that, like, consecutive championship appearance, like, for someone who has played, you know, you're in your 35th year, you'll be 36 this year, I believe. Uh, you've played, you've managed to stay injury-free for such a long period of time. Uh, is there anything you owe uh, a bit to for that? Yeah, I suppose I probably have good genes to a certain degree in so far as I, I up to this point I haven't got many really bad injuries obviously down through the years some brilliant physios with leash I also spend a good bit of time out in Haute Physiotherapy Clinic and with John Murphy over in Black Rock in, in the Carriesford Clinic to stay on top of all my injuries and so on and Say so those kind of people would have got me through some tight moments coming up to games where where things might have, mightn't have been right and so on. But I said, for me, it was it's always been about 
making sure that I've been available for championship and available to represent Leash. So without jinxing myself, hopefully that will continue this summer. And look, it, it, it's nice to look back and say I've played in, in every single one of those games. All I, these things come to an end, but it's it's more important that um, Leash win those games. Yeah. So if, if I don't get to play against Wexford and that run is broken, but we win... You'll still be happy. I'll still be happy. You'll still be happy. Well, uh, thanks very much for for that bit about your early career, Ross. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna move on a bit, and uh, we're going to look at um, both your academic and, and your career now. Um, Gavin has a, a couple of questions mm-hmm. prepared. Well, I have a couple of questions, Ross, and I'm just wondering. You've had a quite illustrious career here in DCU, so just wondering, out of all the positions you've had held, career advisor at sports, uh, and now alumni relations, what do you think's been the most rewarding? but also challenging at the same time? I think probably... Well, I've been really lucky because I worked in student recruitment, and this is a long way of answering your question. I worked in student recruitment for about... So when I finished my undergrad degree in Minute, I went and I taught economics and geography in a secondary school. And after a year of doing that, I applied for a job here in the university and I got working in the student recruitment office and stayed in that role for six years and that role was promoting the university, promoting education in secondary schools, advising student prospective students on what was really good about the university and why you should study at DCU, organising the open days, higher options, campus tours. It was really enjoyable. About four years into that role I decided, okay, I'm not going to go back teaching, but I do want to stay in education because I really enjoy the third level environment. Mm. So I decided to do my master's in guidance and counselling. So after completing that, I moved, I applied for a job and and got one in the career service as a careers advisor. So that was helping students, I suppose, in terms of their job hunting strategies and figuring out where they wanted to go next. After two years there, I was appointed head of sports development which involved increasing participation at all levels in all sports supporting elite athletes developing student clubs sports clubs so even adding to the 45 that we already had so um, providing more opportunities for students and then developing student leaders through sport and after doing two years in that role I was appointed Director of Alumni Relations here in the university. So I've gone from bringing students into the university, supporting them through careers and sports development in in their personal and professional development, and now I'm tasked with keeping in touch and providing engagement opportunities for those students as they exit the university. Mm. So. I'm really pleased to say that the job that is that uh, that will be the most rewarding and the most difficult and the most enjoyable is the one that I'm currently in because it, it really is a green field site for for the university. It's a new role that yeah. you created yourself essentially through through your work and your build up to it. Well, w- the university has always had a an alumni function mm-hmm. and that used to be it used to be connected with the fundraising element through the DC Educational Trust, but 2013-2014, the university decided to split fundraising 
and alumni relations, which people, some people would call friend raising. Okay. So they appointed an, an interim director of alumni to get that set up, uh, develop a strategy, and to obviously organize a budget and so on. And last July they were recruiting and they wanted to appoint somebody to actually roll out engagement activities. So they deemed me the, the, the best person to for the, for the job in July. So it's, it, it's something that the university has always done, but I hope to bring a unique approach to it, given all of the experience that I have of the university. And I think there's something very special about being a DCU graduate. And it's a help for me to, to be coming from the inside to help actually engage with with those graduates and to put together to put together an engagement platform every year that's going to bring people back in contact with the university and the really enjoyable bit for me is that when i contact graduates it's non-transactional so i'm not asking them to support the university or to give back in terms of funding because we have the education trust for that it's purely about engaging with dcu and so far our graduates are really, really, really enjoying it. Responding to it as well. Yeah, very yeah. much so, very much so. So we've we've numerous pillars that we are that we're connecting with graduates on, and lots of different different types. So we obviously have our academic. We have an academic pillar. So through the faculties and the schools, through guest lectures and so on. We have professional, so we have networking opportunities for particular schools of graduates and class years and so on. We have sporting events that we that we have that we bring graduates back in in contact with each other through. So, for example, our all Ireland final football brunch that was a magnificent event because we had we had it on the St Pat's campus. We there was over 140 people there. We had graduates of St Pat's Matter Day and the old DCU previous to incorporation. We had parents of graduates who were playing in the All Ireland final. So it was, it, we had staff members. So we it was a fantastic opportunity for people to, to come back and get in touch. We connecting through arts and culture. We're connecting through the Women in Leadership program as well. So loads and loads of areas. Uh, and what's, what's one of our most important this year is through the student experience. Because we want graduates, or we want current students to know that we're there as a resource, and that continues after you finish. So the clubs and society awards are on at the end of the month, and this year, for the first time ever, there is an alumni category okay. in those awards. So we offered funding for clubs and societies; they could pitch for funding for different events that they were running that would engage graduates. Mm -hmm. So we have two awards on the back of that. One for the best club or society award okay. that engaged graduates. And we have the second one is the biggest contribution by a graduate to a club or society over the course of the academic year. Right. And it's safe to say now that you're pretty well accustomed to DCU. You've been here for a while now. So what would you say set, sets DCU apart? What makes it unique as a, a university and why do you, do you love it so much? I think we change very quickly and we have a huge commitment to innovation and creativity and we instill those skills in people that when they leave the university 
they'll use them they'll use them right throughout their career but because when they're in DCU they have such a fantastic personal and professional experience they hold DCU in a really for the most for the for the majority I think people hold DCU in 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 very 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 high regard and a significant piece of people's lives is spent here with the university mm-hmm. and my job now is to make sure that we continue to offer the opportunities for people to stay connected and keep that feeling strong uh, from their experience and I think when you walk through campus in Glasnevin and on St. Patrick's and on Hallows there's a real community feel that maybe you wouldn't you wouldn't get um, in a much larger university and that is something that now that we've gone through incorporation that we really want to keep and we really want students to value because certainly staff members have a walk in, uh, an open door policy you, you 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 have that opportunity to connect with staff students alumni on a regular basis and people really value bumping into fellow DCU people right across the world our alumni reach is not just domestically we've international chapters in major cities all around the world and it is something special i think for people to say i'm i'm a dcu graduate yeah right so before we round off we're going to bring you back to football a little bit um like we mentioned at the top of the show you're heading into season number 16 um what kind of drives you and motivates you at this stage of your career I think it, for me it's about competing at the the highest level and always whether I'm in training or I'm playing a game I want to beat whoever it is that I'm marking in, in, in that particular competition and I think it's for me it's even though people say you're training hard it's a lot of commitment and so on I find that that energises me and some days you, you, you win those individual battles, some days you don't. And it's just about keeping you at the very highest level. For for me, it's about staying at the highest level for as long as as possible. And, and I've always said, for as long as Leach want me to contribute, I'm more than happy to do that. And I still feel that I, that I have a huge amount to offer. And I am enjoying the opportunity to see so many really good players coming through Leach. And if I can offer them a little bit of advice along the way out on the training field or in the dressing room and help them become better players or prepare in a better way. So I think it, it's to answer your question, it's about that challenge and about staying at the top level. And hopefully it'll mean that Leash progress and we, we, we come out of Division 4. We're in a really good place at the moment. But... Um, I just really, really, really enjoy playing for Leash and I really enjoy competing at the highest level and for as long as that for as long as I'm able to do that and people want me to do that and see me as an asset, then that's what I'll continue to give the time to. And Ross, have you ever found it a problem, I suppose, like the horizon compared to when you first made your debut back in two thousand and three is obviously quite a lot different now, uh, in two thousand eighteen. Uh you started off your career and you know, 2003, we won Leinster. We had, you know, uh, subsequent uh, Leinster final appearances. And even at club level, 
you know you you've got to county championship finals and stuff. But uh, the silverware has just kind of dried up, I suppose, the last couple of years. Is it something you found hard to motivate yourself going into your thirty, you know, your sixteenth season? No, never. And I mentioned a couple of couple of minutes ago. One of the the key selling points of the university is that we're innovative, mm-hmm. and we've we have we equip graduates to constantly change and move and and evolve and so on. And I've had to do that as a player as well, and that's a skill that, and that's why I probably change jobs so often as I have because I embrace change. I I don't mind it, and each different day brings a different challenge. And I certainly see sport as that as well. Not everybody can win the All Ireland. Not everyone can win the Leinster Championship or the leagues. But that doesn't mean just because you can't win it, just because you're not in a position to win it, or you don't win it, or you haven't won it. For me, that's not a reason to stop and say, well, actually, maybe that's not a strong possibility, therefore it's not worth, my, not worth my time. I think the opposite. How are we going to... How is Leash going to get back to sitting at the top table and competing in the very best of the games? It means that all the players who are chosen, selected, and who have what it takes to be a top player... It's that everyone pulls together and that everyone tries to take leash in that direction. And for me, there's no what more motivation would I need? It's it's our county. You mentioned your connections with Not Big. In years to come, you'll mention your connections with DCU. I've always been big on developing DCU people. And if so, if you're passionate about something and if you believe in something and you feel part of something, then you'll want that. Whether it's your employers, your family your club, your county, whatever it is, you'll want the very best for that particular area. And I'm no different when it comes to leash. So I've always said, bring on the challenge. And each year you learn something, even if you're, if you, if you're not winning games, you're learning something. And eventually when you have the right system in place and you, everyone is, is winning their own individual battles and the teams, the team is, is starting to, to win games and so on and you start seeing a change getting momentum behind the setup um, then anything is possible so we'll keep pushing in that direction and if you if you look at um, if you look at all of the, the top sports people in the world and so on at some particular point in time it probably looked like they maybe weren't going to make it but you have to as as an individual and as and I'm open this up, it doesn't have to be sport, it can be the, the most successful people in, in business and education and STEM and all the rest and research. At some point in time, you have to back yourself and say, I want to try and achieve something. And um, thankfully, there's so many opportunities to do that across all aspects of life. Great. Right. Uh, we're, I think we're coming close to the end of the show, but I think we have uh, a quick uh, quiz on your on. The GAA. It's just a very broad kind of general GAA quiz. Just, just a bit of just fun. To test your bit of knowledge. You've been okay. a character in the GAA oh, for we, a while now. We we'll do see. hope uh, there's there's one or two things in this. GAA statistics are they're a bit hard to, hard to, to, to nail down. Um, okay. You know, so I'm I'm fingers crossed on this one. Uh, firstly, Ross, Fraherfield is located in which county? Fraherfield. Is that, it's Munster, I think. Okay, you're on the right track. Kerry Cork? 
No. Over here, Ross Waterford. Waterford. Yeah. There you it's go. Okay, we'll, we'll let you away with that one. Um, Guilty. How many championship goals have you scored? No idea. No idea. Well, see, this is this is where the statistics come in. So the GA website isn't extremely helpful as far as statistics go. No. So we had to. We had it, to. It was out- a lot of a lot of Google. Yeah, a lot of Google. We had um, to outsource. Um, we found uh, a, a website that has been tracking GA championship statistics since two thousand and one. So uh, it says there that you have seven. Does that okay. number seem right to you? It, yeah, probably is. Yeah. Probably is. Yeah, well, ah, we'll, we'll round it up to 20 or 20. <laughs> yeah. Well, 170 points to match it. Uh, so that's that's certainly a high number. That's not too bad. Um, who went on to win the All-Ireland in 2003? Tyrone. Yeah. yeah. To beat us in the league final. They did. That was actually my first leash game in Croke Park. Oh, was it? Yeah. And I, I don't know if you remember the game, but it was pissing rain and it was it was miserable mm. and uh, we were we were down at the very front of the stand and uh, we got absolutely soaked and we got a lovely bus back to, to Ballyrona yeah I came on at half time and that match you came on Mark and um, Devlin from Tyrone actually was, he, he's now a selector with uh, Mickey Hart so I met him at a game last summer so we were we were slagging uh, we were slagging about that league final but uh, yeah I remember it well very good uh, if there was a transfer system in the GEA what player from which county would you draft in there is not and for that reason I respect all my teammates so mm-hmm. I, for all the leash players that we have playing um, I wouldn't swap any of them at the moment we're working towards improving the county improving our own performances and a full faith in, in everyone that we have in the group Great, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure John and the, the crew at, uh, in the panel would be very delighted to hear that uh, When was the last time Leash beat Dublin in the Championship? That was 2004. Uh, yes, that is right. Who did you There make was no Hill 16 up on that day. Back in them times, no. Um, who did you make your championship debut against and where? We- no. Sorry, championship debut was Wexford, Wexford in Croke Park. Yeah, and then we had, the, we had the two games against Offaly. Yeah. Because normally you go to home ground first and then Crow Park but no our first game was in was in Crow Park remembered well and my 50th championship game was against Wexford and your 70th will be against please Wexford. God please God <laughs> fingers crossed uh, Ross do you have any pre-game superstitions when I was younger uh, when I was younger I probably did you get and this is a kind of thing I was saying earlier on you kind of get you get sometimes you can get fixated on preparation and so on whereas now I don't I I um I just believe in in my performances, um, believe in my preparation, and actually, I took a lot from later on a training camp one year under Justin McNulty, and we had a guest speaker from Munster Rugby, and you know one of the lads was was Jerry Flannery, and he was saying that each day of the week coming up to a, a big a big game. He used to have his routine for practicing the basic skills, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm coming back to basic skills. And he, it used to be for him, it could be line out, it could be scrum, it could be a pass, it could be a tackle. And each day, he did a little bit on everything. And by the time his last training session was finished, his head was clear; he was ready for the game. So, um, I probably uh, since then, I've I've uh, I've adapted an approach similar 
similar to that so um no pre-game rituals but just believe in 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 getting my uh, preparation right okay. and when the final training session is over it's uh from that point in time it's it's all about enjoying the game and getting the performance great and uh ross your toughest opponent over the years if you had to maybe just one off the top of your head toughest opponent would be aiden fenley ah port leash's own yeah um, that was from obviously your earlier years. Was he someone that you were Miko threw you in on top of to prepare you? Yeah, we would have. We, we obviously marked each other in training. I marked him against Port Leash as well. I know. I think I read at one point in time Niall McNamee had highlighted him as as his toughest mm-hmm. ever opponent. And Bernard Brogan um, named Claire Healy. Yeah, uh, a couple of years back as well. Yeah, so I I, I always look in, inside the the county. Aidan Fenley is a good friend of mine still. We ha- we had our our battles on the field and and obviously they all, each of you is trying to be ruthless and trying to win but we've always been we've always been brilliant friends off it and um, so yeah Fenno, Fenno gets the nod <laughs> and uh, Ross do you have a favorite piece of memorabilia from over the years sports memorabilia I have a number of things I've. I pretty much have all of my championship jerseys Very good. at home in the at home under uh, lock and key <laughs> was the one from the weekend one added uh, with any bit of I suppose added notoriety the London is, yeah first competitive game no because you, you don't get to keep the league jerseys, the league jerseys yeah. so it's the, the championship jerseys I've only swapped a handful of them over the years mm-hmm. the first one I ever swapped was with Sean Marty Lockhart okay. because I played with him at international rules and I would have been in the back garden at some point mm. That great Derry team would have been pretending to be him, and I, I really ad- admire his approach. And I would, I would have swapped. I've obviously swapped with a, with a couple of friends that I've played against over the years. But I'd say of the seventy championship jerseys, sixty nine of them, I probably have about sixty of them at home. Wow! Right. And uh, Ross, just to finish up, uh, firstly, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on today. Yeah. Uh, we've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I think we actually got a tip during the week. Uh, we were in search of new guests. And uh, we got a tip from a lecturer here in DCU that we should uh, contact the alumni officer. Yep. And uh, I think we're going to certainly pursue that. So yeah. what you're saying is you're putting me on the spot live on air now to make sure that I deliver and get your graduates to, to exactly, come on the show. Exactly. Interview, re- interview recruitment officer. Yeah, well, exactly. I've no other choice but to say yes. <laughs> the alumni office will be delighted to facilitate that. And yeah, happy, happy to do so. And we've so many really good graduates. And my last point on, on that is that we've so many graduates who are hugely keen to give back to the university mm. by coming in, helping people like yourselves, helping clubs and societies, guiding, mentoring students. So I'm more than happy to facilitate that. Great. And um, just, we're going to finish up on this, Ross. Uh, one final question for you. Who gave you the pass for that goal in 2003 in the Leinster final? The one and only Bino. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is DCU FM's In Conversation with. My name is Greg. I'm joined by my co hosts, Gavin Kelly and Colin McDonnell, and our lovely guest, Ross Munley. Thank you very much for listening, and goodbye. <laughs>